Good morning, everybody. We turned off the baptismal font because all grace is now done. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I like it so self-conscious. Like in the last mass, I was like, it's like hard for me to preach for some reason with the baptismal font going. Quick announcement before we start today. Um, Deacon Peter Voida is with us. You all should know him. Um, he is, it's May 13th. May 13th, he'll be ordained a priest. Uh, Amen. So we're, we're really excited for him, and uh, our prayers are with you. Uh, yeah, he came to Lord's to see what not to do, but... Um, one of my best friends uh, grew up playing hockey, and he told me that as he grew up, him and his brother... You're always just kind of in pain. You always have body aches. And he said, so they just, they began to take Advil, like kind of like a Pez thing or just a piece of candy. They, they eat Advil constantly. And they actually developed an immunity to it. And so he's like, I don't take Advil anymore because it just doesn't do anything. And, you know, ibuprofen doesn't help. And today is Divine Mercy Sunday, right, which is just like Advil. Right? Obviously. No, just kidding. But what I want to talk about is we're so used to mercy, brothers and sisters. We grew up, our world is becoming less and less Christian. But we grew up as Catholics, many of us. And we grew up in something that at least had the remnant of Christianity in the air. And I think something like that has happened to us sometimes with mercy. Is mercy loses its power because it's so easy for us to assume it. So today, what I want to do, brothers and sisters, today's homily, um, there's kind of two groups of people. It's always hard being a priest because all of you are so different. And some of you, you're kind of like me and you kind of presume mercy. And that's, if that's you, today's homily is really for you. But there's some of you, and I just want to be conscious of this, there's some of you who are not like that at all. There's some of you, and it's, it's generally this side of the congregation. Um, but generally, there's people out there who are like, God's mercy couldn't possibly be for me. And they don't believe it. Now, today we're going to try to get to you as well, but it's not primarily for you today. And I, I just kind of made that choice, and you should hear that. If you're someone who doubts if God's mercy is for you, yes, it is. St. Thomas Aquinas, I love telling people this in the confessional. St. Thomas says, one drop of Christ's blood, one drop, was enough to forgive all the sins of humanity for all time. One drop. Your sin is not bigger than that. And so God's mercy is for you. All right, so to you chumps over here who are like me, one of the best things that we can be in life is men and women of gratitude. Men and women who don't take things for granted. People like that are so wonderful to be around, right? You never have to worry about if you didn't do things quite right with them. They're people who are grateful. There's no expectations. They focus on the good. It's a joy to be around them. So I'm not like that. 
and uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a snob. So my staff loves to give me a hard time. My staff, I grew up in a wonderful place, and my, my parents did pretty well financially. And so my staff always jokes about my maid and my butler, which I didn't have either. Still working on that. You're still a deacon, right? You can be my servant. <laughs> but I'm, I have my things I'm a little bit of a snob about. And one of the biggest ones is coffee, right? Like I, there's just some forms of, of the coffee bean that are no longer coffee. We've done things to it that it just doesn't count. So I went to Chicago uh, for this program uh, the last couple of years, and I'd have to go three times a year. And someone out there to save money invented this machine that takes hot water and it pumps it through a coffee-flavored syrup to give the illusion that it's actually coffee. And that person will answer to God, <laughs> right? Like, they totally will. And I got out to this seminary in Chicago, and for the first couple of sessions, I was like, something's wrong. And I couldn't quite, I was like, this is just, how, this is not real coffee. And someone finally revealed what was going on to me, and it was just like, you know, life is over. But I'm such a snob that I decided every time I go out to Chicago now, I bought a French press, and I brought my own, um, you know, like, Fressa, like, really, like, fancy coffee, just because that's how I roll. And here's my point. I just, I want to counter that. I'm like that. I just, there's certain things that I just, I'm a, I'm a com- creature of comfort. Now, think about the opposite, right? The, the priest, I, one of the priests I talk about a lot is Father Ralph Drendel. And I've probably told this story, but I just love this story. When I was in seminary, I was always the first guy up. And uh, Father Drendel, though, was up before me. And he, he would get up probably about 4 or 4.30 in the morning. And I'd go down to the, our cafeteria. And the first thing Father Drendel did every day was boil yesterday's leftover coffee and put it back in the coffee pot. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> I was like, Father Drendel, I love you. You're a saint. Please stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> but what was so cool was Father Drendel grew up in the Depression. And he grew up in the Depression. And you don't, if you grow up in that time, you don't take anything for granted. And he didn't. You don't throw anything away. You're just grateful for everything. And that was Father Drendel. And today, brothers and sisters, what I just want to do is I want to help us be a little bit more like him. Uh, mercy is the best thing ever. But if you're like me, you might take it for granted. And so today I'm going to try to divest you of your assumptions on that. So you ready for me to give it to you? I joked after the last Mass, I was thinking, people will go home today and they're going to be like, oh, it's Divine Mercy Sunday, like, and they'll... You know, they'll talk to their family and they'll say, well, what, what did the priest preach about at your church? And they'll be like, the wrath of God. It's like, and that's what you're about to get. So here we go. To be grateful, brothers and sisters, we have to know where we were going to be, where the world was at, the state of the problem. 
Right? If you don't think you have a problem in your life, if you think everything's great, you don't really need Jesus. Right? Coming to Mass on Sundays, it's almost like confessing publicly that we're the broken ones because we need God. So in the book of Romans, which is unbelievably beautiful and really complex, is probably the, the most complex and the crown of St. Paul's writings. But in the first two chapters of Romans, Paul lays out the problem. And the big deal is that Jews thought, you know, some people out there, they might have a problem with God, but not us. Not us, because we're Jews and we have the law, and so we're, we're kind of set. And so St. Paul says this, he says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. We don't talk about the wrath of God much. If you're new here today, uh, I don't think I've ever preached to lords about the wrath of God before. But it's real and it's all over the New Testament, especially in the book of Romans and in the book of Revelation. Because God is good. And the reason there is the wrath of God, it's not because he's angry at you. He's not an angry God. It's that he wants the world to be as it should be. And sin and death corrupt his good creation. In chapter 2, St. Paul says this. He says, By your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. That's a real thing. And Paul's big point in the, those first two chapters of Romans is that's every single one of us. It's not just those people out there it's not just the people with like the really bad sins. It's that none of us could actually live up to what God called us to. None of us. I feel that way every day. And if you don't understand that, brothers and sisters, you don't really appreciate mercy. If you don't understand, and maybe you haven't done any real serious sins, praise God, that's wonderful. But none of us could attain that union with God. It was too far beyond us. And if you read Romans slowly, if you prayerfully read it, and you let it sink in, you just feel this weight in these opening chapters. And you realize what a bad spot the human race in the world was in. And so in chapter 5, a lot of this comes to a head, and we don't have time. I, this is, again, one of those Sundays where I'm like so jealous of Protestant pastors. I'm like, 45-minute sermon would be so awesome today. But in chapter 5, St. Paul says this. He says, but God, after all that, after all these, this trouble, the problems with the world, but God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? 
Jesus did not die for a group of really well put together people. He died for the enemies of God. Since therefore we are now justified by his blood, much more. I love that phrase. He uses that a lot here. He uses it uh, much stronger in the coming paragraphs in chapter 5. But much more shall we be saved from him, by him, from the wrath of God. There's this huge feeling of relief. John Paul II wrote a very beautiful encyclical in 1980. It's called Divis in Misericordiae. It means rich in mercy. Uh, and in that, he has this great just one line. And he says, he says, mercy is love's second name. Mercy is love's second name. So beautiful. You see, you and I, we don't really have bargaining chips before God. And if you don't understand that, you won't ever appreciate his mercy. Mercy is so powerful because we needed it so badly and we didn't deserve it at all. Right? And none of us, what I want for us, brothers and sisters, I want all of you, just I think what God wants for all of us, we're not supposed to be women and men who walk around in fear that we're going to commit mortal sin and, and wind up in H-E double hockey sticks. But we are supposed to be men and women who are so joyful because we realize that we have received what we didn't deserve. And if we keep that in our hearts and minds, we're just different. We're different from other people. If we really understand that we were slaves, but now we're free, it changes everything. Say in our gospel, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, in our gospel today, you know, we all know that one of the big problems people have with the Catholic Church is how can a priest forgive sins? And all my kind of friends who are non-Catholic Christians are always like, where in the Bible does it say that a priest can forgive sins? I'm like, John 20, 21. Right? Look at John 20, 21. Look it up. Did you hear it today? Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on the apostles who were the first priests. There's only twice in the Bible that ever happens. It's when God breathes life into Adam in Genesis 2. And then when he breathes on the apostles in John chapter 20. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. God works through people. He does. And here's my promise to you. So many of you, I have friends, and I know so many of you have been wounded by the confessional. I told the congregation last night, I was like, I don't really want you to go to confession because it's more work for me. <laughs> right? Not really, though. There's nothing better. There is nothing better than the confessional. And here's my promise to you. You don't ever have to go to me to confession, but God's mercy waits for you in the confessional. And brothers and sisters, here's my promise to you. If you come to me in confession, I promise you I will never, ever, ever yell at you, 
That does, that has happened to some of you before? I will never, that is my promise to you, I will never yell at you. I will never make you feel like you're a worse sinner than anybody else, like you're a bad person. I promise. If you come to confession and you desire to be reconciled to God, it's one of the greatest privileges of my priesthood. It's so powerful. It is so beautiful. It's such a privilege to be there. But it's foolish to stay away. God has promised the forgiveness of sins and the sacrament of confession. And I beg you, there's no reason for you to not be there. Finally, this morning, Christians are men and women of forgiveness. And it's so hard. I struggle with forgiveness. I really do. I have relationships in my life right now that I struggle with forgiveness. But the New Testament's adamant about this. You and I are different. We know how to forgive in a way the world doesn't. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You and I know how to forgive. We're called to know how to forgive in a way the world doesn't. And there's only one way you'll ever do it. I'm convinced of this. The only thing that makes us different, why are Christians better at forgiveness? Because they know they've been forgiven. That's it. People try so hard to forgive others and they say, it's just so hard, Father Brian, this person hurt me so deeply. And I just don't, and they say, well, I'm going to try and forgive them because I know I should. Or because I, you know, I figured out why they acted the way they did and maybe they weren't so bad. That's not why a Christian forgives. A Christian forgives because they know they've been forgiven. And they were forgiven when they didn't deserve it. And that's what helps me the most. Because people who want my forgiveness, I'm like, you don't deserve it. (laughs) But I know with me, I'm like, I know, Jesus, I do not deserve your mercy. I don't. I couldn't do anything. But you died for me, and you rose for me. And because you have forgiven me, Lord, I am called to live that out and to live from that in my life. That's who Christians are. Brothers and sisters, if you have ever doubted the mercy of God in your life, give that up. There's nothing you can do that is bigger than the mercy of God. His heart, the heart of Jesus Christ, is an infinite fountain of mercy. And he waits for you. Jesus, make us grateful. Lord, save us from presumption. Lord, that we might really know just how great your mercy is. That we might have the joy of those who have been forgiven and know it. Those who have been redeemed, who knew they were slaves. And Lord, may our church, may Our Lady of Lords be a community that knows how to forgive.